0: You are listening to the Empowering Business DFW Podcast, and I am your host, Stephen Austin. This episode is sponsored by Link. Are you someone who passes out a ton of business cards expecting a follow-up? With traditional business cards, as many of you know, they get lost. We are changing the way that we connect with new people. This easy-to-use product is great for anyone. LINK offers a line of products that let you share information instantly with the people you meet. You can build a page that contains your contact information, website, social media links, photos, videos, appointment scheduling, custom forms and more all shareable with just one tap of this smart device it's an unlimited use business card that you could change over time the possibilities are endless as an added bonus if you purchase using promo code empowering business dfw you will receive 15 percent off your entire order check the link in the show notes for more details Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Empowering Business DFW podcast. In this episode, I'm honored to have this guest on. I have the opportunity to interview an author. He's an accomplished public speaker. He's a Wall Street Journal best-selling author of his book, The Winning Game Plan. The former president of the Houston Texans, and he's also the founder and president of Lone Star Sports and Entertainment. So everyone, I'd like to welcome Jamie Roots to the show. Jamie, thank you for joining me today. It's
1: great being with you, Stephen. Thank you for the opportunity.
0: Man, I'm honored you're here. And I'm thinking about when I reached out to you on, on LinkedIn, it's the power of social or social media in general, like the, the connection opportunities that we have with, with social. And I know that LinkedIn's more business focused, but I just took a shot. I was like, hey, man, he'd be an awesome opportunity to be on this podcast. So again, thank you for joining me.
1: Well, that's one of the great things about this book. I've never been on social media before. I just always felt like uh, there was too much risk. But with, I mean, that's really the only way to to promote a book and and create awareness. And LinkedIn is the perfect platform for that. And uh, and I've met so many amazing people. I mean, it's really, uh, you know, why, why didn't I do this sooner?
0: <laughs> and it's crazy because every platform is different, right? So you're you're utilizing LinkedIn. And it's completely different than what you would do in Instagram or a Twitter or any of those because they had algorithms and hashtags. And there's just so many different things you have to learn. And now something like Clubhouse comes out. You familiar with Clubhouse?
1: I don't know about Clubhouse.
0: Okay. Well, don't get on it because you'll <laughs> spend your whole life on it. Uh, but it's a good way to network with people and get your word out, too. So just the power of it. But I want to give you a second. Just introduce yourself, if you don't mind, to the to the listeners in the audience. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so uh, my name is Jamie Roots. I uh, have have had the great blessing of of starting and leading two separate uh, professional sports franchises, first in major league soccer, uh, the Columbus Crew, and started there in 1995. And then in 2000, I came to Houston with Bob McNair. There were just a handful of us uh, to start the Houston Texans. And I spent 20 years Leading uh, that organization, but my background is really more traditional business. I I was at IBM in sales, and I was at uh, Procter and Gamble in brand management. I have an MBA from Indiana University. Uh, undergraduate went to Clemson and had a business degree. So, the uh, when you think about the book, you know the name, the Winning Game Plan, is really it was meant to be tongue in cheek because it's it's, uh, it's not about the results on the field in terms of building the quality of the business. It's just like any other business in terms of identifying unique human needs and uh, fulfilling those better than anybody else and doing it um, uh, doing it, and, and creating great value for people. And so that's really what the book is all about. Those fundamental leadership principles that have allowed those two organizations to be elite uh, during the time that I was leading them. Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. And you've had a definitely a, a very impactful career, but I want to kind of go back to, to Jamie as a kid. I mean what kind of kid were you were you, I mean obviously you're into sports right but at yeah. what point did you really get heavily into sports I mean tell us about your childhood
1: Yeah so I, I played uh, baseball and football as a young kid uh, we played stickball and you know kids don't do this anymore we played stick stickball in the front yard we played football in the front yard played uh, street hockey you know whatever game we could come up with and we'd have street against street and have competition so it started very early for me but I remember, I think I was in either the first or the second grade. My PE teacher uh, said, hey, we're going to play this new game. Uh, what is it? It's, it's called soccer. And none of us had ever heard of it before, right? So uh, this is before all the youth movement and all that. So um, played it, liked it. And um, that, that became my focus. I, I was pretty good at it and um, really gave me a lot of uh, gratification, built my confidence. I mean, that's that's the great thing about sports is, is what it can do for somebody's psyche, you know, um, my brother is five years older than me. And so uh, he, he uh, I mean, built a heck of a, c- a competitive fire in me. I always wanted to beat him at anything. And uh, that still burns today. And so, but I, I had a feeling that this side of sports is where I would end up. I mean, I used to play all these board games and would always want to create the most uh, dramatic finish possible. For whether it's football, baseball, basketball, you know, that last second shot, that last second touchdown, you know, that, that drama, you know, like they talk about the ABC wild world wide world of sports, you know, about, about the, you know, the, the drama, um, the agony of defeat and the thrill of victory. That's that. I knew that's what I wanted to do.
0: So was there anything specific that made that, made that thought in your head? Like I know, going forward and anything. I really want to be a leader in whatever I do, because, you know, going into college, you played soccer at Clemson. Uh, You were uh, the student body president. And so that point, you've already kind of built that foundational piece of being a leader. So was there anything before that that was like, this is what I meant to do is lead?
1: Yeah, I think I think it did turn on at Clemson. I my freshman year, uh, I I'd never been on a team. I never sat on a bench for a minute in my entire soccer career. So I find myself on the bench and played, you know, eight or 10 games that year uh, out of the season. And I was really kind of bummed out. I mean, really trying to figure things out and poured myself into the academic side and saw great success for the, really for the first time, I'd never really worked hard in school when I was in high school. And so uh, I was like, wow, maybe there's something more here for me. And then, you know, some organizations, gave me opportunities to be, be part of those organizations. And when I did, um, I decided to take leadership roles. Um, after the four years, my fifth year, I mean, I only had, I don't know, 18 hours left to uh, graduate. And so I was visiting with the then student body president at Clemson in December. And he said, you should, you should run for president. And I was like, you know, that's a great idea. So, and, and so just having a, a taste of leadership a few times I was like, "Wow, this is a different perspective. I like this. I, I like to be the lead dog. I like yeah. to take on the burden of leadership." And so, it, it it really, you know, set the stage for for what I've been doing the last twenty five years.
0: Yeah, for sure. And going back to what you were saying about leadership, of you being on the field one hundred percent of the time. And then now finding yourself on the bench, sometimes when you think of leadership, some of that really doesn't come out until you're in a position like being on the bench. And you see it in every sport, right? Major League Baseball, Basketball, NFL. You see sometimes where a big name player will either by injury or by something else ends up on the bench and you can really fine tune exactly what that person is, is really it would be going forward, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it it was interesting. You know, you you get into a leadership position early. I was uh, 29 years old as the president of the Columbus Crew, and so then I go over to Houston, and you you know, you're never really able to validate yourself early on. We but we had a retreat that we did with a with a consultant a couple of years into into running the team, and we did an evaluation. He did a test and identified everybody's color. Right, so. Uh, Blue is all about people. Green is about stability and, and, you know, working the details. And red is, you know, on fire to get stuff done. And then the fourth is yellow. And so when he passed around the colors, I didn't know what it meant. And so uh, uh, he started explaining He says, well, yellow, yellow are the leaders. They're the ones that are looking over the horizon. And I was like, that makes perfect sense. I was the only, actually one other person in the room, there were 12 of us, had yellow. Mm. Uh, but he was a lawyer, right? So lawyers are, are by definition, have to be greens uh, sometimes. So it made me feel like, you know what, th- this is really what I was meant to do.
0: Well, I mean, just looking at your career, like I mentioned to you before we started recording, I feel like we're old friends now, as much as I know about you. Uh, but one thing that I do know- well, that's, for-
1: that's, what, that's what happens when you show up on ESPN ticker. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, when I was looking, I was like, okay, I'm going to- uh, find out as much as I can. And, you know, we're connected on LinkedIn and friends there, but, you know, and then you get into the whole ESPN and I'm, I'm a sports junkie. I mean, I could sit here and talk about football all day long, but, but I was like, no, I want to make, I want to stay focused. I want to make sure that I'm bringing value to Jamie, but uh, make sure I'm bringing value to the listeners because with you and I, I think I could talk to you about NFL all day long. Um, but you might be sick of talking about it, but you know, who knows? No,
1: I love it. I love, I love the league. I I, I love the team, the Houston Texans. I even love the Dallas Cowboys. So uh, anyway, that's, that's kind of weird.
0: Should I mute? Should I, I mean, cause you know, sometimes it's debatable if you could like multiple teams in the same state.
1: Well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm for everything, Texas. I mean, I'm, I'm an Aggie fan. I'm a, a UT fan. I'm a yeah. TCU fan. In fact, my son's there, SMU, Baylor, you know, I, I just, I love Texas and, and the Jones family are dear friends. I mean, they've been so good to me over the last 20 years um, and know the the entirety of the family from top to bottom.
0: Yeah. I think that just, you know, in every episode that I have, depending on what industry you're in, you start to build a culture, right? And, and you know, the NFL is surely a culture that you've been engulfed in for 20 years. You know, so it's it's just interesting the way that you look at it from the outside looking in, like being a fan of the NFL, you don't get down and dirty in the details of everything that goes on. Um, but sometimes when you actually dive into it, like a conversation that you and I are having now, you understand that it is a close knit family, whether you're, uh, cause taking a step back, like a, a Texan fan walks in the door, we're sitting in the same room. Yeah. We're, we're Texas, but there's always going to be some type of, like I was telling you before, some of my family members are, are Texan fans, which is fine, but sometimes there's a little bit of a back and forth, um. But, a yeah, thing- but I'll
1: tell you, there's you know, on the field, it is fierce competition. I mean, it's every man for himself. But off the field, it's incredibly collaborative. I mean, we're all part of one. We're part yeah. of the 32. Right. Um, and the shield is so important. Uh, I, and when I released my book, I gave a window of several days and contacted all of the presidents in the league and said, you know, for ninety nine cents your people can all go and download the book and read it uh, i probably stole most of these ideas from you guys so uh, and 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 hopefully it can help you you know yeah. and so it's a cheap resource for them to be able to develop their their teammates
0: yeah well that's a good good thing to hear i mean i've i've seen it as a fan right games over i mean it's been an intense battle back and forth people just talking talking after each play and going back and forth. But at the end of the game, you see the love that everybody has for each other. And I think sometimes mm-hmm. in other industries it, that you get away from that, right? Um, but I want to go back into really you as a leader, right? Mm-hmm. And, and like I was saying before, I've, I've gotten to know you pretty well. And, uh, and I'm going to list off, I'm going to read off all of these because there's too many to keep up with. But you are, let's just say, it, really good at your job. Right, you, you've Thank you. you've been successful in every position that you've been in, uh, and for the listeners, I want you to hear some of the awards that that Jamie has received throughout his career. Um, executive of the year and marketing uh, executive of the year as the president and general manager of the Columbus Crew, which was the Major League Soccer team out of Columbus, Ohio. Um, he was selected twice by the business journal as a member of the 40 under 40, um, which is a list of leading sports executives. Um, and he was also as an executive of the Houston Texans, he was named by the Houston business journal as business person of the year and the most admired CEO, right? So those are some amazing honors and awards. So congratulations to you, Jamie, for, for just accomplishing all of these awards. It's amazing.
1: Well, thank you for saying so, but it's, you know, it's clear when you think about leadership, the only measure of a leader is the results of the team, right? So if if the team wins, the leader's done a good job. If the team loses, the leader hasn't done a good job. I really owe it to all my teammates. I owe it to the relationships that we've built in the community. All of the, you know, great nonprofit organizations that I've had a chance to be part of and to lead, you know, namely the Greater Houston Partnership, as the board chair, which is 120 CEOs in the city of Houston, the uh, uh, roles that I was able to play in the Super Bowl efforts twice in 2004, and then again, I can't remember the year, 2017, something like that, and and you know, really felt like that was the best Super Bowl ever. I know everybody, are, every, everybody thinks their Super Bowl is the best. I, I I don't see how Houston could have done a better job, and I was just blessed to have an opportunity to lead there. So. Um, Anyway, I mean the awards. I mean, really, it's very nice. It's it's great. It it makes it it lets you know you're on the right track. But what really matters is the is the people.
0: Yeah, a lot of times, and you'll see this image floating around um, social media sometimes, where you see a manager kind of pushing or a manager leading, Uh, and I think it's so unique how. Sometimes you have different mindsets, right? And and you think of the the ones that are forcing everybody to do something rather than leading. And they're I guess what I'm saying is you just you see that, right? You can see the different personalities and how they are more successful because you're putting yourself in front of everyone else as come with me, behind me, let me lead you, as opposed to everybody pushing and making sure that that. They get the job done and you get to reap the rewards as a leader, right? Yeah.
1: Well, and I think you're, you're exactly right. I just believe that is the right way to lead. And I'll, I'll use a, a Dallas Cowboys reference for you. So Tom Landry said, um, leadership is getting people to do what they don't want to do in order to get what they do want to get. And as a leader, if you can identify a vision, a purpose, you know, a, you know, a, a better future, for the entirety of the group, not for me, but for the entirety of the group and keep everybody focused on that, then they'll do the tough things that it takes to realize that once they trust you that, and, and you instill in them that this is a reality, we can do this. We yeah. just haven't done it yet, you know, it's out there. So you think about in a, in a football analogy, who wants to run wind sprints? Nobody, but everybody wants to win on Sunday. So the focus is if we're gonna win on Sunday, These are the difficult things that we're going to have to do in order to be successful. Bear Bryant said, it's not the will to win that matters. Everybody has that. It's the will to prepare to win. That makes all the difference and preparing to win is hard work. And so that's what leaders do. They, they, you're focused here, but the, the tasks, the tasks are a result of you embracing the vision.
0: Yeah. I've, I've had a lot of conversations with, you know, just, general business owners and we just talk about success and things like that and you know in the NFL you see the players and and the wins and losses or whatever but what I like to see is when ESPN does 30 for 30s or you actually have the inside track on workouts right you have the inside scoop on the way that each player is committing each day to the to the success of the game Right. And a lot of times that's even overlooked from a fan's perspective is like, we'll just go out there and win. How hard is it to run this play? You should have caught it. So on and so forth. And there's just so much that goes into it. And, yeah. everybody well, and every it. team,
1: if, if, if you've ever been around a, a, a football team in the National Football League, those coaches work so hard. I mean, each week they are looking for every little inch that they can get to help us help them win on Sunday. And then on Sunday, it's a, it's a zero sum game. You, you've worked, you just think about it. If you worked all week long, you know, you would have, you got something done. You move the ball forward for your organization. But if a coach works all week, you know, really basically seven days in preparation for a game and the team loses, he's done nothing. That's, that is tough. I mean, it is hard to win in the national football league and everybody's prepared. Everybody's good. I mean, it's like, it's like NASCAR, you know, you have almost every car is on the lead lap yeah. and they're all sandwiched next to each other going 200 miles an hour plus rubbing bumpers. You know, I mean, everything's at parity yeah. and, uh, just finding those little edges is, is what it's all about.
0: Yeah. It's NASCAR in itself. I mean, is when you think of just, going around in a circle, but they're you're so white knuckled the entire time. And that's just a whole nother conversation too. Yeah. But, yeah. But well,
1: I, I embrace all sports. I I'm a fan of all sports and they all, you know, have their pluses and minuses, but I put, I mean, I think the NFL is the most compelling sport um, on the planet, uh, particularly yeah. for television uh, just because there is such incredible parody. The athletes are the best in the world. And the coaches do such a great job preparing them. And um, anyway, it's it's just it's like the greatest uh, reality TV show ever made.
0: I mean, take the Super Bowl for example was a reality show in itself, right? I mean, you got and not necessarily the Super Bowl as a whole, but Tom Brady. Yeah. And we don't have to talk too much about this, but Tom Brady goes from being in the Patriots, being on the Patriots, helping that organization win so much. To going into Tampa Bay, where their winning percentage was one of the lowest in the leagues, and, and telling just after the fact, hearing the stories of like he promised he would get us to the Super Bowl, like that's just something that you can only hear in stories, and the story is being written right in front of our eyes, and, and yeah. that's the amazing well, thing about sports.
1: Well, the Super Bowl here in Houston, Tom Brady, uh, his his Patriots are playing against the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons have an insurmountable lead. Mm-hmm. And you I watched him on the sidelines. He put that team on his shoulders and led them to victory. He was like, he is not gonna, he was not gonna be denied that day.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, when you think of Tom Brady, a lot of people love him, a lot of people don't. And and sometimes it just comes down to like, I was just tired of watching him win at the Patriots. Like, but you see the shift now. It's like, okay, well, we know what kind of leader he is because of what he did for Tampa Bay. It's just it's amazing. And kudos to them for for doing what they did. And, you know, Patrick Mahomes will be there next year. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah.
1: Well, like Bobby Bowden said, a legendary coach in Florida state, the guy with the best players usually wins. So talent really matters in the national football league, particularly at the position of quarterback.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Quarterback. I just love it. I love the NFL. that. <laughs> so I want to go back to, you know, after we talked a little bit about your awards, but I'm kind of curious, you know, out of all of the honors and awards that you've received, which is, which is the one that you take the most pride in?
1: Yeah, uh, you know, it's, there are a couple. I, I, let me, I'll just give you two. I'm not gonna go through all of them. but first of all, the, uh, being executive of the year, my first year ever working in sports as the general manager of the Columbus crew, we, were, uh, we needed uh, nine out of 10 wins uh, to get to the playoffs. So had 10 games left and I was standing outside the locker room and a player by the name of Brian McBride. He's one of the greatest American soccer players of all time. He was my first ever selection as a general manager. So uh, Brian comes up to me outside the locker room. He said, can you come in and talk to the team? This guy's not getting it done for us. I said, Brian, I'm not going to do that, but I will take care of your issue tomorrow. So I had to let the coach go. I elevated the uh, assistant coach to become the head coach because I thought he had the capacity to be the head coach permanently. And that turned out to be right. Our team went nine and one and we did get into the playoffs awesome. and we were in the playoffs every season. So that was really rewarding. It was validating. Um, it got me, gave me the confidence that, that I really can do this. And then <clears throat> the uh, award that I received, I believe it was in 2017 as business person of the year. You know, I've, I've always tried to, pe- people try to put you in a hold. Put put you in a, in a corner that you're a sports guy. And I always tried to uh, break out of that. You know, it ain't about sports. I'm a business person, first and foremost. And so it took a long time for people to really embrace. But when I had the role at the Greater Houston Partnership as a chairman, the role that I had with the uh, Houston Super Bowl host committee and and the people that I met, people started to embrace. Yeah, he's, he's not just a sports guy. He, he knows how business works. Yeah. He knows how to lead people. And so uh, that was really rewarding.
0: That's awesome. So out of when, kind of going back to what you were saying, you know, you, you saw what the assistant coach maybe had in personalities and, and drive and things like that. So in your opinion, just going through your career, what are some traits that you look for when looking for that next leader?
1: Yeah. So I, there's an acronym that I use in my book that is kind of a Maybe ten years ago, I I came up with it because I mean I I read I've read so much about leadership. I've studied leaders, and it really started to crystallize for me that there there are buckets of talents that you know not nobody's perfect, right? But these would be the things you're looking at first of all. Looking for first of all, people they have to recognize that talent is paramount. You know the, this this notion that the leader is the is Oz and sits behind the curtain. And pulls all the strings that does not work if you're gonna if you're gonna get if you want incremental progress lead followers if you want breakthrough progress lead leaders and so leaders who lead, or who are comfortable in leading leaders can lead give you explosive growth they also are do well working with people in any organization you start out you know out of college and you're doing things over time as you rise you, quit doing things, and you almost exclusively do people. Your ability to influence others becomes absolutely critical. Yeah. So that's number one. R is being resilient. It, actually, the acronym is PRAISE, P-R-A-I-S-E. So P is about people. R is being resilient because, hey, like we talked about Tom Brady, right? If Tom was, if Tom was hanging his head, there, there was no, no way in here in Houston against the Falcons that that team wins, you know, And it would have been easy for him to hang his head, but he's a leader. And he knows everybody's looking to him as, as to how to respond to this situation. A is about authenticity. You got to have passion for what you're doing. You got to have passion for the people. And you have to have passion for the community. And it has to be authentic. You can't fake it. I is about being inspiring. It, leaders can inspire with everything they do. You're on stage all day long. Everybody's looking to you. And how are you lifting people's spirits? How are you, like Tom Landry said, keeping, you know, do what you don't want to do to get what you do want to get, to continue yeah. to communicate. Here's where we're going and it's going to be awesome and you want to be a part of it. And I'm proud of what you're doing. Those things inspire people. S is about see around corners. I have a line in my book that you, you can't work on your business while you're working in your business. Managers work in the business. Leaders work on the business. There's only one person who can look out over the horizon and bring ideas back for the organization to execute. That's me. Yeah. Uh, during COVID, just one example, we um, we launched a, a chain of fitness facilities called Texans Fit. We now have six, I believe, in the Houston area. And it was kind of serendipitous that uh, the 24-hour fitness had their challenges, so they were giving up leases, and we got in for a song. But I didn't have, my people didn't go out and do that. I went out and found all of what we needed to make it happen, and then, Once it was ready, I put it on them to execute so that I can go out and do something else. So seeing around corners. And E is about execution. You know, one of the more important elements of a leader, they have to have a way. You know, you think about the Patriots way. They have a way of doing things that has consistently gotten results over a long period of time. And so leaders need to walk in or they need to develop a system of execution that delivers uh, consistently excellent results.
0: That's it. I love that. That's easy, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna rewind it and, and listen to it several times. But I think I think what you say is is perfect execution for the way you should approach everyday life, just in general, whether you're a leader or not. Um, and I you think see, you it's- know,
1: everybody everybody is a leader. Everybody's a leader, or in, in in great organizations. And I think back about the uh, the the book Extreme Ownership by uh, uh, Oh by I, I'll think of it, Leif Babin and Jocko Willink, uh, and and they put it perfectly. Said, uh, you know, you either lead people or you lead with solutions. If you don't have people that you're leading, you lead with solutions. Yeah. And I, I I think that's right. Everybody has to walk in with a leader mindset, an owner mindset, in order to maximize your results.
0: Yeah. No, I love that. That's great. You know, as as the president of the Texans, you know, you wore many hats, right? You. Like you were saying, you you were so engulfed in every single aspect of the organization. Um, so when it comes down to, it, what what is what was your biggest challenge, and how were you able to overcome that challenge?
1: Yeah, well, I, I, I appreciate you saying that I've had my hands on it. I, I, there was a period about this was, you know this this wasn't the biggest challenge, but this was a, a transformation. I'd done two startups in a startup environment, The only way it works is if you've got your sleeves rolled up, Arm in arm with everybody, getting your hands on everything, yeah. and making sure as it comes out, it's all done properly. You never get a second chance at a first impression. I felt the Columbus crew the entire time was a startup. When I was with the Texans, we got three or four years in, and a consultant came to, to me and said, hey, I'd like to do some work with you guys. Do a little training, do some do some uh, moderating of, of sessions for your leadership team. I said, Great. So he said, first, I want to meet all of them. I want to sit down and visit with them. So do you mind if I set those up with your assistant? I said, sure. So about two weeks later, he calls me on a Thursday. He says, I'm coming over tomorrow at three o'clock. Cancel all your meetings for the rest of the day. So he comes in and basically made it very clear to me that I was a micromanager. And he said, you've never heard of a micro leader, have you? And I said, no. He said, because it doesn't exist. If you want to survive here, you've got to elevate yourself. Right. And so I really, after about four years, I've not had my hands on it. I, I've re- I really pulled back and began like a like a head coach of a football team. I think the best head coaches coach the coaches. Yeah. And they let the coaches coach the players. And so I became a coach to the coaches, and then they coached all the all the players, the employees, my teammates. But really, the biggest challenge has been this COVID window. I mean, who who could have foreseen that? But fortunately, I mean, we got through it. it was, it's was it been really hard. Um, but we got through it because we have good answers to three things. Who, how, and why. The people, the talent that we have is so incredibly committed. Because of the why. The purpose of the organization. Win championships, create memorable experiences, and do great things for Houston. Yeah. And then the how is our culture, which is summarized in... I-M-P-A-C-T, impact, being innovative, memorable, passionate, accountable, courageous, and team oriented. So when you have good answers to those three things, times of challenge, they're, they're no less hard, but you can, you can tackle them. You can yeah. tackle all adversity if you have good answers to those three things. If you don't, when you hit adversity, you're toast. By the time you get to the storm, it's too late. You, yeah. can't, you can't build it at that point. You're just, you know, subject to the whims of the adversity that you're
0: facing. I think that's a lot of times what, just talking to business owners, that's part of the struggle that they have is, A, they try to, like like you said, in a startup world, try to have your hand on every single thing, which you have to, right? You have to be involved in every single thing, but as the company grows, as the organization gr- organization grows, you've got to, to your point, start letting the managers manage start letting the other leaders lead and you start drumming in that new business. And sometimes that's where the sticking point gets right. I'm not, my business isn't growing. Why? Well, I've been doing the day-to-day stuff that I could have given somebody else to do. And that's a lot of times where they just, they just feel stuck. Yeah.
1: Well, you're right. I mean, an entrepreneur, a startup, you're, it's just, um, you know, all gas pedal, no brake. No time to think we got to get these out the door. We got to survive. But at some point to be a sustainable organization, someone has to elevate and be that one. That's while, while the rest of the team is making widgets, you're finding the next opportunity to take the business forward, whether that's new clients, new markets, uh, new products,
0: whatever it is. Yeah. Well, I I love that. And I think another objective that somebody typically has is taking that first step right and i know that you spent 20 plus years with the texans and now you're you're an author right you're no longer with the organization so how hard was it to to make that step like going straight into being an author and publishing a book uh, and not working for the texans anymore how was how that adjustment been well, um, it's it's been it's been about seven days, so
1: <laughs> I, I'll tell you in a little while. But, you know, it, it, it really four years ago when Bob McNair, who's the founder of the team, when he was ill, that began his illness, he would battled cancer, skin cancer for a few years, but really started to decline. I thought about leaving. I felt like the time was right for me, but I didn't think it was fair to Bob, who was like a father to me. So I recommitted. Uh, two years ago, when Bob passed, it was in November, two years ago, um, I thought about leaving because he and I were so close. But I, I really felt an obligation to uh, to his dad and his son to help with the transition so that it was smooth. So two years later, I just woke up one morning. And I was like, the time's right. And when it's right, you, you can't go back. I mean, once you make that decision, that's just how I've lived my life. When it feels right, I go and do it. You know, I don't do anything rash. I don't do anything really very spontane- uh, spontaneous. But if I've carefully thought through it and decided that this is the time, this is the time. Wow. And, and and you asked, how am I dealing with it? That I don't think that that is, that's not a big concern of mine because it was right. It was the right thing to do. And so whatever it is, You know, um, Sam Houston had a great line. He said, do what's right and accept the consequences. And that's what courage is. So when it it was right, I just have to accept the consequences.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of those issues are, though, that they don't know if they're making the right move. Like nobody does. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. It's like you're not going to know if you're making the right move unless you do that move to make and see if it's right or wrong. I mean, but it's the fact of knowing that you took that step and knowing that you at least tried it, uh, and if it fails, it fails. But if it succeeds, that's where you know, man, I made the right decision.
1: Well, and it, it, it relates to uh, emotional intelligence that we talked about uh, earlier. That uh, you know, emotional intelligence in its foundation is being in touch with your with yourself, with yeah. who you are, that what's important to you. I have my journal sitting over here, and journaling is a great way to develop that because then once you start seeing a pattern. Um, it, it does provide good clarity. You know, I, I I thought a lot about it. I talked a lot about it, and just decided it, it felt like the right time. And yeah. you know, so high EQ is helpful.
0: Yeah. So, do you see yourself getting back back in the the league at any point? Or are you really focused on the book right now?
1: Um, I'm, I'm going to take you know probably six months and just decompress. Yeah. Listening to opportunities. And evaluate. I mean, if something that if something fires me up between now and then, I, I have no problem taking action. But I'd really kind of like to spend some time with my family, make sure the book gets out the way that it should, uh, develop a a speaking platform so I could be a you know a, a, a keynote presenter at some point in time if I want to start doing that. I've always I've spoken all over the place, but it's always been in promotion of the teams that I've been a part of. So this would be more just personally telling my story and and some of the things that I've learned along the way. So um, the roundabout way of saying that, uh, probably going to sit tight for a while and just listen to opportunities.
0: For sure. Yeah. And and it's definitely... Uh, worth it to take a look at all of your options, but you know, let's, let's dive into the book, right? So okay. uh, the book is called the winning game plan. And it's a, it's basically the playbook of handling adversity and success. So okay. give us, give us like the 30 second cliff notes of what this book is about.
1: Yeah. So it's um, it, it's principles that I've developed over the last, uh, I guess it's probably 30 or 35 years in, in how you lead people. And, um, uh, it's maybe interesting in that, uh, you know, there are two things, there's one in chapter seven, I talk about the importance of being an over learner. You can't just sit at a seminar. I've never been, I, I, I've gone to a lot of seminars in the past and I'll come back with, you know, 40 pages of notes, you know, not that I'll ever use those again, but I don't want to just listen to the information. I want to absorb it. I want to make it part of who I am. And so that's why I use so many acronyms and I use quotes because I think it does a good job of explaining things to me. And then when I explain it to others, they're like, okay, great. This is getting into my head and then it's getting into my heart and now it becomes part of my DNA. And then I move on to something else. So um, that's, that's what the book's about. Uh, Hopefully I I really do believe these are uh, techniques. None of it is going to be rocket science, but I do believe these are practical, uh, practical tools to use to become a better leader.
0: Yeah. Well, I got curious and I just went on like Amazon and, and things like that, just looked at some reviews just to see what everybody else is saying. And um, what I gathered is that there's so much knowledge coming out of this book that everybody is able to really transform into their everyday lives. So first of all, congratulations to you on getting the book out there, because I think those are stories that everybody needs to hear. So uh, wow, kudos absolutely. And
1: and it was I considered and I say at the end of the book, I considered it a gift of the world. I I, I want to help others. Um to be their very best selves.
0: Yeah. Well, I read this and, and um, I think maybe you have quoted it, but every new leadership opportunity you face is a chance to grow as a leader and as a human being uh, expand on that. I mean, that's, that's really an amazing quote actually.
1: Yeah. I, I, you know, people have a tendency to shy away from challenge and, you know, and it's not that they don't want to grow. It's just scary. And so, you, you have to embrace that. You're, you're not always going to win, you're going to lose, you're going to mess things up. But someone told me two days ago that a a boat tied to a dock uh, never makes any waves. And so if you really want to have an impact, if you want to make a difference, you've got to constantly be challenging yourself, trying new things, being not being afraid to fail, and picking yourself back up and going at it again. Yeah. When I think about the book, and maybe that's a function of you know the 20-year tenure that I've had in Houston, because after five, six, seven years, it gets to be uh, the same year over and over. The, it's just such a cycle. And I think any business is like that. And so I think the book was a way for me to challenge myself and to grow. I think I took on the chair role of the Greater Houston Partnership, which most people take on that role when at the very end of their career and they're in the process of transitioning out. And so they give the last year to the city. I mean, I did it and I was, I don't know, uh, 50 years old. So I still have a lot of runway left. Yeah. And I did it because I wanted to challenge myself and see see if I could do it. And so at, growth is what life is all about. And it doesn't happen without challenge.
0: Yeah. I heard someone say once, if, if you're not failing, you're not growing. And it resonated with me too it's like you know what i think maybe personally i've always been afraid of trying new things because i'm afraid to fail or i'm afraid to let somebody down but i think it's taken that step and, and then i look back at my career and it's like man had i not done this i wouldn't be here right and if i don't make take those steps that i need to who knows where my career goes you know in any whether it's my full-time job or my podcast or whatever like taking a leap of faith and just knowing like going back to the way you and I met on LinkedIn. <laughs> if I wouldn't have, if I would have been hesitant on reaching out, this interview would never have happened. Right. And so your message would never have been heard on, on our platform. And so that's why I'm grateful that you accepted the connection and we connected and you immediately was like, yeah, for sure. So I well, just fate,
1: think- Fate favors the bowl. <laughs> and, ter- and in terms of, 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 of growth and, and challenge and accepting challenge, I I can't say this, this this is incredibly important. If you feel scared, that's natural. And the way to deal with it is to change your mindset. Uh, I think it was Albert Einstein said, you know, I've never failed. I've just tried 10,000 ways that didn't work, you know? So if you see failure as a process towards eventual success, then it's not as scary. You'll always have the butterflies. When I taught my first class at University of Houston about a month ago, I, I, I told the, my guide afterwards, I said, I would rather speak to a thousand CEOs or have an interview that's beamed across the planet than stand in front of nine college kids trying to teach them about leadership. Yep. It was that scary, yep. but I felt great. You know, I did it. I did it. Was it perfect? No. That's the other thing is you got to establish, you know, uh, expectation is the mother of all frustration. You, if your goal is to be perfect, you're going to be disappointed and frustrated a lot. Yeah. If your goal, uh, Mark Twain said to a man sitting to him on the dais uh, before speaking, he said, you look really nervous. He says, I am. He says, relax. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be good. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. When you're saying that, I'm thinking about when I started this podcast, like, I was like the butterflies that you had, like hit and record and that every episode that I do is better. I think- uh, this is episode like 28, right? So I've been doing it for 28 weeks now, and every week it gets better and better. But I remember the first time I'm like, okay, I gotta hit this record button, which is was, great. Oh my goodness, I was so nervous.
1: But- Admire your courage. I, the uh, you know, LL Cool J, I heard a quote from him er- earlier this week that uh, dreams don't have deadlines. Yeah. If you take away the deadline, then it becomes less scary. You yeah. know, just keep just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Do the next most logical thing. Focus on getting better all the time, like you said. And eventually you're going to get there. If you get there on Tuesday or you get there on Friday, or you, you know, better. but if, if, it, if it matters to you, just keep at it. Eventually yeah. you'll get there.
0: Yeah. And that was my thing. Like I, I came into it. And I think everybody else thinks this way too. Like they got to be perfect. Like you said, got to be perfect the first day you do it. Um, and then I realized that I was harder on myself in the beginning. And now it's like, you know what? Even in our conversation here, I may be fumbled up on the on the introduction, but you know what? <laughs> we're here talking, episode twenty-eight, I believe it is. Don't hold me to that. But we're here. We're doing it right. We're having these conversations. We're getting the stories out. And at, at the end of the day, that's what the origin story of this podcast was about: is helping people. Um, so I just I go back to just taking that step forward and not being uh, as fearful of what could be without actually knowing what that is. Yeah, you know,
1: just I, like the class, you know, I, just as you learn from your experience at the end of each class, I'm like, I go around the horn. What can I do better? What and, and they come up with some good ideas. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's great. We can do that. We yeah. can do that.
0: <laughs> and that's one thing I probably need to start doing too. Is you know asking. Well, we we can talk about this later. But <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let's see. So in your book, you define the acronym, and I know you love acronyms of power, mm-hmm. right? So power is to build a healthy EQ. So what does power stand for and how can it help your emotional intelligence?
1: Well, I had a period of time that I really worked hard on my emotional intelligence. Uh, A consultant made a point to me. He said, hey, look, Jamie, IQ is fixed. Can't do anything about it. Unfortunately, in business, you don't really need that much. Okay, EQ is what really matters. And good news, it's flexible. You can enhance your emotional intelligence. Okay, how? All right, well, that's where the POWER acronym came from. P-O-W-E-R. So first, the P is It's personal. It's your personal feelings. That's what you got to get in touch with. That's why I said, you know, journaling is so important because it helps you to understand your emotions and understand the things that trigger you. Because the goal is to keep level all the time. We have something uh, in our brain called the amygdala. And when the amygdala is hijacked, creative thought goes away. And it's something from Cro-Magnon man time, right? So we used to, you know, if a saber toothed tiger is coming at you, you have two options. You're either going to fight it or you're going to flight, right? Fight or flight. We still have that. We don't need it anymore. We're not threatened by, you know, by, uh, by uh, dinosaurs. Yeah. We, so, so how do you deal with it? You, you, you have to keep your emotions in check. So amygdala, your amygdala doesn't get hijacked so that you can maintain all the options, the flexibility to, uh, to be able to maneuver. So, so it's P is about personally got to understand them. O is about owning them, right? So once you understand what triggers you, then you can go about not letting it trigger you, right? When your spouse or your an employee or a business partner, when you're just not gonna let it get to you. And then you're able to W, win, get winning results, but it even goes further. E is about empathy. Once you own your own emotions, then having empathy for what someone else is feeling and understanding that. And then R is about relating. That's when you can really relate well with people. Always come up with win-win solutions because you understand your emotions, you understand them, and you use that to guide you to, to great outcomes.
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome. Those are great. I think you need to take all of your acronyms and put them on coffee cups. (laughs) <laughs> and every time somebody drinks their coffee cup, they read that and they think of it like the the coffee cup I use every morning. It has hustle on it. Right. You always got to hustle. You've always got to be um, focused and starting the day with something great. So side plug, if you haven't thought about it, I'm sure you've thought about it already on I mean, how you're going to grow this book. But, man, all of your acronyms, put them on coffee cups and just send them to the world because...
1: All right. I'll give you a commission.
0: <laughs> All right. Commission from Jamie. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Um, one question that I had that I didn't write down is if I were a leader, a business owner, entrepreneur, and I was going to look at hiring somebody, should I focus on EQ or IQ? Uh,
1: it really depends. It depends on the job. Okay. But one thing I will tell you, we I've, really kind of boiled everything down to just a couple of things that matter in employees. It's hard to get at this, but I've, I have found over and over and over the right people for the organization that I lead have, number one, a great work ethic. Number two, they have a winning attitude. They're positive. They're optimistic. They're team oriented. Number three is they, have, they, they love the values of the organization and they're committed to them. It's natural for them to operate in a manner consistent with our organization. It's so hard to get at that. And because of it, we almost exclusively uh, promote from within. If we, at all, at all costs, we wanna promote from, from within. So we've created a program, it's called the Draft Class. So every year we bring 12-ish uh, newly minted undergrads. They've just gotten their degree. They wanna come here in the worst way. And we put them in a variety of departments. And then throughout the nine-month period, my leadership team and myself, we, uh, we uh, review each one of those interns, right? the interns, the draft class. So we review them for work ethic, winning attitude, values alignment. And when we feel like we have a winner, we try to slot them into a full-time job with us. And sometimes we're, we have others left over. We can't, we, you know, we can't find a, a full-time job for them with us. So we'll put them with one of our partners, knowing that we're stashing them for a, a, another day so that yeah. they can come back. What I call boomerangs. Right. So they leave and they come back to the organization. Um, and that's just proven to be an, an amazing way to find talent because it's so, it's really hard in interviews. People can fake it, but you can't fake it for nine months. Yeah. You no. Know, nine months. Yes. Yeah, a long time.
0: Well, within <laughs> nine months, you're going to have a bad day. It's going to be stressful. Especially in an an intern draft role. I mean, if you're part of that draft, I mean, it's going to be hectic. I mean, a lot of times if you think of internships, you think of like uh, organizations putting you through the worst possible scenarios to see how you handle the outcome. Um, Well, And we don't do
1: that. We just put them into a role, a a normal role with a team. And then the cream rises to the top. And they're the ones that get the entry level jobs. And they stay with us a long time. And
0: we grow them throughout the organization. I like it. That's awesome. One thing that I did notice um, that you had mentioned that it's something that I use all the time that you said windshield people, uh, there's a, I don't remember exactly how you worded it, but there's a difference between windshield people and mirror people, right? And and I've said this to several people, like you're always looking in the mirror, like look ahead of you, look at the bigger picture. And so when I loved it, loved that you you said that, because I'm like that, in line with what I always say. So expand on that. What are your thoughts on windshield people versus mirror people?
1: Yeah. Well, windshield people are, 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 I mean, it's not that you don't look in the rear view mirror as a windshield person, but you only look in it to see what you can learn because yeah. the past is the past. The future is what matters. We can't do anything about the past, but we can do things about the future. Yeah. And I just think that those, they, it's probably parallel with optimists and positive people. And so uh, because, you know, people have a tendency to brood over what did or didn't happen and try to, you know, I have a, I have a saying I use all the time, beginning in any after action review that I'm leading that, uh, you know, we got we have enough time to do one of two things. We can fix the blame or fix the problem. I want to fix the problem, yeah. you know, because because it's about whose fault it is. Eventually, if somebody messes up enough, they're going to be found out. But mistakes are okay. They're natural, particularly if people are stretching themselves. But I want to take whatever it is that we learn here and then go and apply it to the future as a windshield person.
0: That's cool. You also focus a lot on the 4D leadership process. Um, So for those who don't know what the 4Ds are, what are the 4Ds? Uh, Can you just give us an overview of what that looks like?
1: Yeah, so uh, for for a leader to maximize their effectiveness, they've got to be uh, in you know, very capable in all four directions: up, down, out, and across. So up, everybody's got a boss. You got to do a good job managing that boss, making sure they have the information that they need so that they can trust you. It's all about trust. And down, it's about clarity. The yeah. people that are working for you, they have to be absolutely crystal clear on the plan. The number one uh, desire of employees is to know what is expected of me at work every day. And that's what leaders create is clarity, organizational clarity, goal clarity, role clarity. Um, And then out is you as a uh, representative of the organization in the community. And then that's that's about respect because people buy you first and then they buy the company. I think you talked about that earlier. You know, people make decisions, right? And so... If they, if they see you as credible, capable, respected, then they'll assume that everybody that works with you is, is a carbon copy. Yeah. And then across, you gotta be a great teammate. You wanna be that person, you gotta be a great collaborator. You wanna be that person that when people have a project, they think of you because you know how to get things done. You're easy to work with. So you know, just as a reminder that you have to be operating in all four dimensions uh, every day as a leader. Yeah,
0: that's good. You'd mentioned earlier that you have to have a passion. You have to find your passion in life or in business. So Jamie, where do you get your passion?
1: Well, it's what, it's what you care about. Uh, the, the root word of the of passion if it's a Latin word is P A T I patty. And the definition of patty is the willingness to suffer and sacrifice for what you hold dear. Okay. Passion's not about fun, excitement, energy. It's about wanting something so much that you're willing to suffer and sacrifice. You think about the passion of the Christ, Christ loved, uh, the world and, and, and man so much, uh, that he was willing to go through that. So, uh, and, and my, you know, for me, the number one thing is my family. Um, and I, you know, I, I certainly loved the organization I was with, particularly the fans, the the teammates that I got a chance to work with, the ownership, um, all of our customers. So uh, there was a lot to love about it, but I'm moving on. And so right now, you know, if I were to say, what, what am I most passionate about right now? It's my family.
0: Yeah, man, I, I listened to a message the other day with one of our local churches. I'll have to share it with you. And they talk about Anchor and it's. It was an amazing message. I'll, I'll share it with you just because it, it talks a lot about that. Like your anchor sometimes be, is your job. Sometimes the anchor is something else, but actually finding that true anchor. Um, and, you know, as a believer, our anchor is in Christ. Right. And so we, that's our anchor and that's where we need to be. But it talked a lot about how sometimes um, your business can take over that anchor. And it, at the end of that time, what are they going to say about you at your funeral? Right. Yeah. yeah he was a great business person or yeah, he sold a million dollars worth. Of, they're not going to think about that. Like, what is your family going to say about you? And I think that's, that that's a message that I'll, I'll remember. And I'm going to keep listening to it because it was, I don't know. It, it was, it was a pretty good story.
1: Yeah. Well, I, it, it was, it relates to business. I've, I've, I've said it over and over, over my 25 years of being in uh, leadership in a a sports franchises, that everybody's replaceable. You know, when I walk out, someone else is going to come in. It's all going to go fine. You know, they'll do a better job or they'll do a worse job. Who knows? But the important things, really, I think the two most important things for me in in my, actually, maybe in my life is the people and the experiences. You know, those things are what are going to be on your mind
0: uh, at the end of your days. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Completely agree with that. So going back to leadership, just one more time, you know, every business owner, manager, entrepreneur, whatever it is, needs to be a great leader. So what advice would you give to somebody who is early or young in their entrepreneurship career?
1: Hmm. Well, uh, buy your book, read my book. (laughs) 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 It's all right there. You know, um, first of all, you have to ask yourself if you want to lead. I always, I wanted to lead. And if, if, but it's, it isn't something to really, I don't think it's something to aspire to. It's, it's, it's natural if you want to be a leader to go and do it. Um, if, If you really in your heart don't, there, I mean, there are lots of followers too, and there are great roles for them as well i didn't I never saw myself as being above anyone. I saw myself as equals with everybody in the organization. I just happen to have this role yeah. and they have that role, and someone else has that role. It's like in a really leadership is like a symphony. you know I mean is the guy standing up there with the baton more important than the flutist no they, i mean the the musicians are making the music yeah. right He's just keeping them all. You know, headed in the right direction. And so that's really your job as a leader. It's a job just like everyone else's.
0: I think leadership sometimes is a scary thing. And that's why, you know, some of these smaller businesses locally, it's just a one or two man operation uh, because they're maybe hesitant on hiring somebody in, in the midst of maybe not being a great leader or something happening. So, Uh, Well, and that's natural in growth.
1: You mentioned Lone Star Sports and Entertainment. Uh, It started with me going out and pitching events. And then I felt like we had enough uh, stability that I could bring one person on. And then we started the uh, Texas Bowl in 2006. And I thought I could bring another person on. And so, and then as the business grew, yeah, and never my, what I told people, even when they, be a little frustrated about the level of work they had to do because they didn't have, they were short staffed. I was like, you know, um, I, I would I never want to lay somebody off. If, yeah. if we have a lean year, what are we going to do? And fortunately we've been able to build that out. I don't know. We have six or seven full-time employees in Lone Star sports and entertainment. And a lot of the roles and responsibilities fall to the football team, you know, that uh, ticketing or finance or human resources. And, and, and so we're left with, Six or seven event management experts.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Well, a lot in every episode, I always ask this question uh, because success can be defined by in in so many different ways by many different people, right? Some think of it as materialistic things. Uh, Some are focused on success for family, success for business. So, you know, in your opinion, how would you define success?
1: Um. I think success for me has always been about my reputation. I mean, I have protected my reputation uh, with an iron fist because I I want to be respected, uh, liked, trusted, admired—all the all you know those, those superlatives that I mean—that and and that that comes with hard work and commitment, and dedication, fair dealing with people. You know, I I, I want to have a reputation that uh, you know that that my kids will be proud of.
0: One thing I'll say about your reputation is, you know, just, like I said, doing, looking into your, your career and all of this stuff to kind of get some, some good questions to ask you. I got into the ESPN articles and I got into the whole sports articles. And one thing that I, I was determined was so many people respect you. Like you have a presence in the NFL that everybody knows you, everybody knows what type of person you are. And I think your reputation has been firmly built uh, and respected by so many across the league and and even outside the league. So uh, I think you've done a great job throughout your career, just building that reputation up. So um, good. Well, thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. (laughs) So what's next for you? What do you have? Uh,
1: What's that?
0: So what do you have going on?
1: Okay. So I'm just, I'm just, Uh, connecting with people. Uh, I am serving on a couple of uh, company boards and, and I'm building out this uh, speaking platform and rolling the book out. And, um, you know, six months from now, I'll decide whether I have enough of my plate or do I, do I want to get back in running a sports team? Do I miss it? You know, right now I'm really just decompressing.
0: Yeah. And I think sometimes you have to do that. Like, I shared the story about I got laid off. Right. I mean, it wasn't my choice, but I think it gave time to put into perspective what you wanted to do. Like going into this role, I had a couple other opportunities on the table and uh, I I feel like the fit here was was a better fit for me. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, with you, you have that time to really look at all your options. And I'm sure that there are going to be a ton of people coming towards you for those conversations just because of the reputation that you built. Throughout the league and maybe outside of the league, so thank I look, you. I look forward to to where you where you go from here. But um, where can people find you? You want to shout out your your links and your social platforms?
1: Yeah, yeah I'm most I'm most active on LinkedIn, um, and there's also a website jamieroots.com that has a number of uh, uh, tools to uh, you know help you on your leadership journey. Put a lot of posts that go up there, blog posts, etc. So um, yeah, uh, LinkedIn and, and JamieRoots.com.
0: And I always put these in the show notes, but I like the guests to kind of prom- tell me what links they'd like to put up there. So for the listeners, I'll make sure that you uh, have access to all of those links in the show notes of this episode. Uh, but as we wrap up one more question, because I think that throughout a career uh, we are, are here because someone else pushed us because someone else helped us because someone else influenced us. Right. Uh, and, and, as we build a strong foundation in life and in career, we we don't do it alone. And so i like to give this opportunity for you to to shout out who has mostly uh, been there as support, as mentors. Um, so you have the floor to whoever you want to thank at this time.
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, my parents, of course, my wife, my kids, um, Christopher and Caroline and my wife, Melissa, um, uh, Jerry Yateley who was the head coach at Indiana University, was an amazing role model for me as I uh, w- was uh, in the NBA program and coached. Um, Lamar Hunt, who gave me an MBA in sport management. And uh, Bob McNair, who not only you know developed my business acumen uh, tremendously, but also showed me what it is to be a, a father and a husband. And so um, so in the entirety of the McNair family and the Hunt family have have always treated me like family and that's that's always really been very meaningful to me.
0: Yeah. Man, it's been fun. I've had so much yeah. fun just chatting with you and, and getting to know you, but um thank you for sharing your knowledge with us. Thank you for sure. sharing your experience with us and and we look forward to uh to hearing more from you. So thank you Jamie. All
1: right, All right Stephen, great to be with you, brother.
0: that wraps up this episode of the podcast and thank you for tuning in this week if you enjoyed this episode make sure you subscribe so you get notified when a new episode releases every week and if you are a visual person feel free to check out the youtube channel do you want to be a guest on the show if you do send me an email to empoweringbusinessdfw at gmail.com and as always thank you for listening stay well and god bless